your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 223 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. We got a lot to get into today. The Rangers, obviously, with two big recent re-signings. Tony D'Angelo is back with the Rangers on a new two-year deal. So, too, is Alex Georgiev. We're also going to get into the retirement of Doc Emmerich and talk about why I believe he's the best announcer in all of sports. Maybe sports history, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit of a bridge too far for certain people, but to me, he's really up there. You can put him on the Mount Rushmore of announcers all time, and uh, we'll get into talking about him a little bit as well. And we'll also briefly talk about Stephen Fogarty. He is now an X-Ranger as he signs a one-year deal with the Buffalo Sabres. But we got to start, I think, with Tony D'Angelo because he's been one of the more polarizing Ranger-free agents. I think most people probably wanted him back, especially after this season that he just had with the Rangers this past year. A true breakout season, 54 points, really establishing himself as one of the best offensive defensemen in hockey, a big, big part of the Rangers' power play as well. His arbitration date was actually set for this Tuesday tomorrow, but that is now obviously canceled. Uh, As far as average annual value is concerned, this deal that Tony D'Angelo signed. Again, two years, $9.6 million contract. Uh, It makes him the fifth highest paid player on the Rangers behind Artemi Panarin, Jacob Truba, Chris Kreider, and Mika Zibanejad. But I think it's well-deserved. It seems like a pretty fair deal for both sides. They go with a bridge contract again here, uh, not going with the long-term extension, the kind of deal that's going to keep him uh, as a Ranger for, I mean, not necessarily life, but at least into his 30s. He's 24 years old at this moment. But, you know, I think we all knew Tony D'Angelo was due for a pretty big pay raise. He was making just six figures this past season, and that tends to happen when you put up a 53-point season as a defenseman uh, in a COVID-shortened season, no less. And as a lot of you probably remember, Tony D'Angelo held out for a while during the last offseason. He ends up signing uh, sort of a one-year prove-it type deal. It was worth just $925,000, and so obviously he gets quite the pay raise here. Uh, It's also interesting that D'Angelo ends up with kind of another bridge deal, but I don't think it's a bad idea for either side. You look at it from the Rangers' perspective, they get to keep one of their best young players in the fold for at least another two years, and they can kind of reassess the situation when Tony D'Angelo is once again a free agent two years from now. But at that point, you never know what the Ranger blue line could look like. Things could look quite a bit different. Some of these prospects that were so high on could be uh, mainstays on the Rangers by then, and maybe at that point, Tony D'Angelo becomes uh, a little bit more expendable. Maybe the Rangers feel like they don't have the money to keep Tony D'Angelo around at that point, or they decide that it's just a case where you can't keep everybody, and so it might just be best to let Tony D'Angelo walk at that time. Or maybe Tony D'Angelo continues on this current career trajectory that he's on, and the Rangers have enough money, and they like the fit with Tony D'Angelo, and Tony D'Angelo just loves being a Ranger, and they find a way to come up with another new contract for D'Angelo at that time. Only time is going to tell there, but I do like how the Rangers played this. They're keeping, again, one of their certainly top four defensemen in the fold for the foreseeable future, the next two seasons here, and then they can kind of reassess everything. If they like the way that his game is developed uh, and they want to keep him around, then they'll have the option to do that in two years. And if you're Tony D'Angelo, I mean, this is a fantastic deal for you because, again, Tony D'Angelo, just 24 years old, this obviously represents a massive pay raise, and 
then two years from now, he'll be a free agent again, and he'll get to go through this process all over again. If his game has continued to improve, if he's an even more well-rounded player at that time in two years than he is right now, then that's a good situation to be in if you're Tony D'Angelo. And for the time being, he gets to stay in a place where he's comfortable, where his career has really kind of taken off these last couple of seasons, and he can just look to build on what he's done. I'm sure, you know, given that he signed a short-term deal here, he's going to stay hungry. He's going to want to get better and, uh, you know, just play his way into a massive contract the next time he hits free agency because, you know, again, it was at least conceivable that the Rangers could have signed D'Angelo to a really long-term extension here. You know, if that made sense for both parties, then, you know, that's definitely an option that was on the table. But as it turns out, it is just the bridge deal here, and Tony D'Angelo's got everything in the world to play for over these next two years here. Uh, he'll have a chance to, you know, really cash in with a big payday in two years when he's a free agent again. Not to mention the fact that, you know, Tony D'Angelo is a competitive guy. He brings a lot of fire to the ice. He wants to win. He's been a big, big part of the Rangers turning things around here. He was acquired, if you guys remember, in the deal that sent Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for the seventh overall pick and Tony D'Angelo. Now, the Rangers used that seventh overall pick to take Leas Anderson. The less said there, the better. We've talked about him enough. We have a crossover episode with Sarah Avampato of Locked on Kings. We're, we're going to discuss that a little bit more in tomorrow's episode. But for now, you know, we'll keep Leas Anderson talk to a minimum. But the bottom line is the Rangers, it looks like they definitely won that deal, right? Because yes, Derek Stepan, Antti Ranta, two very popular Rangers while they were here. It was tough to say goodbye to both of them. But Derek Stepan, he's slowed down a little bit in recent years for the Coyotes. And Antti Ranta, he's been fine. You know, whenever he's been healthy, he's played pretty well for the Coyotes. But with the Rangers, you know, it's a situation where I don't think they really miss Antti Ranta because they've got their goalie situation pretty much figured out for the foreseeable future. So bottom line, the Rangers, it looks like they won big on that trade because Tony D'Angelo is playing at probably an all-star level, or at least pretty close to it. Uh, certainly emerging as one of the better offensive defensemen in the game. Like we said, a key, key part of the Rangers' power play. And somebody who, you know, I think he could still stand to improve defensively a little bit, but that could come with time, that could come with age, and hopefully he just takes the next step forward. It also brings me to another kind of a subplot here with Tony D'Angelo. There's been some talk about him perhaps moving from the right side of the defense to the left side of the defense. And I can see a case for this. I can see a case against this. I wanted to talk about this a little bit here uh, to just kind of piggyback off the news that Tony D'Angelo is going to be back with the Rangers. So first of all, let's try to understand the Rangers' position as to why they would want to do this. Why they would want to take a guy who just had a 53-point season and basically switch positions. I realize he's still a defenseman, but there is a little bit of an adjustment playing right defense versus left defense. And the reason the Rangers would want to do this is pretty simple. I think right now, just about all of us can agree that the best four defensemen on the Rangers heading into next season, in no particular order, are Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, Tony D'Angelo. I think that's pretty much cut and dry. They're the top four guys right now. They're the top four guys going forward. Uh, you know, K. Andre Miller could throw his name into that hat, you know, in due time once he makes his Ranger debut and starts to establish himself a little bit. Maybe Liber Hayek, maybe a couple of these other prospects. Braden Schneider obviously taken in the first round this year. He'll eventually have something to say about that as well. But for right now, the top four are the guys I just mentioned. Lindgren, Fox, Truba, D'Angelo. Now, the only Ranger defenseman out of those four who plays the left side is Ryan Lindgren. The other three all play the right side. So you have something of an imbalance there as far as, you know, if you're the Rangers, you definitely want to go forward with these four guys as your top four defensemen and getting top four defenseman time on the ice. And you can't do that unless somebody changes positions. And, you know, you look at the three candidates, Fox, Truba, D'Angelo, I think with Truba, you know, he's kind of established in his NHL career a little bit more than the other guys. I realize that 
you know, some Ranger fans, myself included, maybe a little bit underwhelmed by Jacob Truba's first season in New York. I wouldn't say he had a bad season. It's just you look at his salary, you look at what the Rangers are paying him, you expect a little bit more. But I have all the faith in the world that Jacob Truba is going to turn into, you know, a really nice piece for this Ranger team, going to be a really big part of what they're doing in the years going forward. He's signed long term. And so I think he's going to be a top four defenseman for a lot of years to come. And I think Ranger fans eventually uh, are going to warm up to him as he continues to get more comfortable in New York and hopefully uh, has a solid uh, mate to uh, pair with on the blue line. But then you look at Adam Fox, and he just had this awesome uh, rookie breakout season. I wouldn't move Adam Fox just because I've gotten so used to seeing Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren on the same line. I think they just complement each other very well. You know, you've got Adam Fox, this athletic, uh, big-time two-way defenseman, a guy who was, you know, at least in the conversation for Rookie of the Year, one of the best young defensemen in the league, no doubt about it. And then you've got Ryan Lindgren, who's obviously kind of an old-school player, kind of a throwback, a little bit more of a stay-at-home type. He can chip in offensively every now and then, but you think Ryan Lindgren you think toughness, you think snarl, you just think hard-nosed old-school hockey players. So I love having Fox and Lindgren together. I would not break them up, especially after the season that each of them both had. They both greatly exceeded expectations. I know that a lot of us were pretty high on Adam Fox coming into the season. We were hoping that he might be able to give the Rangers some kind of spark back there, but I don't know that anybody was ready for him to have the kind of season that he had last season. Obviously, it's awesome that he did. And then you look at Ryan Lindgren as well. There wasn't a ton of buzz about him heading into training camp this season. He didn't make the team on opening night, but he eventually got a shot, played well enough with the Rangers to stick with the team, just kind of took the bull by the horns, took advantage of the opportunity, and now he's he's there. I mean, he doesn't have to make the team this season, I don't think. Maybe they'll say that, you know, hey, it's an open competition, everybody's got to earn their spot, all that good stuff. But I would be absolutely shocked if Ryan Lindgren is not on the opening night roster next season. I think most people would agree with that. And again, I just love the pairing with him and Adam Fox. So that leaves you with Tony D'Angelo. And I don't know, it's, it's tough because you look at what Tony D'Angelo has done these last couple of years. He's a player that just keeps getting better and better and better. He just continues to hone his craft, gets better in every aspect of the game. Do you really want to mess with that by switching him from the right defense to the left defense? And, you know, I realize people say, oh, well, what's the big deal? You know, he's still a defenseman. Tony D'Angelo himself has talked about how it's not that big of a deal. He's willing to do it if that's what the team wants him to do. That's fantastic to hear. But are we so sure that all 53 of those points that he had this past season, are they going to go with him across the rink? You know what I mean? From the right side of the defense to the left side of the defense, is he going to continue to produce at the same clip that he did uh, switching positions? It's a fair question to wonder. I mean, look, I'm not even 100% sure that Tony D'Angelo is going to produce at nearly a point-per-game basis like he did this past season. It's no guarantee. But if you mess with him and you switch his position, that could have an ill effect. But at the same time, I can't kill the Rangers for thinking about doing this because they want to have their best four defensemen out there for as much as possible. And I think right now, if you're looking at this Ranger team, it's pretty clear the best four defensemen, once again, Lindgren, Fox, Truba, D'Angelo. So you got to find a way to get them all out there as much as possible. And, you know, I'm all for this, but I think I'm probably stating the obvious here, but you got to uh, give Tony D'Angelo as much time as possible at left defense uh, during training camp, during the preseason, all that good stuff. Get him ready to go and make sure he's comfortable there. And if you're not feeling it, if it doesn't look great, if Tony D'Angelo just doesn't look like himself, then maybe you just leave him on the right side and you go into the season with a little bit of an imbalanced blue line with, you know, three of your best four being on the right side. And it is what it is. Hey, look, it worked this past year, didn't it? All three of those guys were pretty good for the Rangers. I mean, Adam Fox is fantastic, greatly exceeded expectations. Jacob Trouba was solid, you know, maybe a little bit underwhelming given his salary, but I think overall had a pretty nice season. And Tony D'Angelo looking like, you know, an elite offensive defenseman in this league. So it can work to leave them all on the same side, but I don't 
blame the Rangers for having this idea that maybe we can experiment a little bit. Maybe we can see what Tony D'Angelo can do on the left side as a way to make sure that our best four defensemen are on the ice as much as possible. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. One other point that I'll make about Tony D'Angelo here, and then we can move on to Alex Georgiev, get into some other things as well, is I know there have been a few episodes on here where I've kind of floated the idea of maybe looking to trade Tony D'Angelo as a restricted free agent. My logic there is that Tony D'Angelo is primarily an offensive defenseman, and I just felt like looking at the Ranger roster and looking at some guys who could be coming down the pipe for the Rangers as far as prospects are concerned, the Rangers have a surplus of offensive defensemen, and that's a nice problem to have. It's not a problem at all. It's just a nice thing to have. But you look at guys like Jacob Truba, Adam Fox, and then in the future, you've got guys like Ke'Andre Miller, Nils Lundqvist. These are all defensemen that can chip in offensively. So to me, I don't know that D'Angelo was as indispensable as maybe a lot of other analysts and fans thought. I thought that maybe if you could get like a big-time second-line center in exchange for Tony D'Angelo, that maybe you look at that if you're on the Rangers. But the more that I've thought about this, especially since Tony D'Angelo signed this two-year extension, the Rangers... If they go into next season without Tony D'Angelo, they're going to be a weaker team because they're still figuring out their blue line. They're still trying to solidify guys who are going to be there for years to come. Obviously, you know, we're excited about some of these prospects, but they're not quite there yet. That obviously necessitated the signing of Jack Johnson as a one-year stopgap. But the bottom line is the loss of Tony D'Angelo would have been really tough for this blue line next season because I just don't know how you replace him. I mean, how, how would you replace Tony D'Angelo going into next season if he's no longer on the roster? Do you think Jack Johnson is going to step up and do the things that Tony D'Angelo did? Or are we just going to throw Keandre Miller onto the ice on opening night before he gets some seasoning in the AHL? Are we just going to toss Liber Hayek out there? I mean, that didn't go so well last season. Liber Hayek made the opening night roster and struggled a bit. Um, you know, Hayek looked okay at times, but I, I think overall he was inconsistent at best, you know, last season with the Rangers. So I don't want to put anybody in that position unnecessarily. I think this, again, it's just a deal that makes a ton of sense for both sides. Uh, the Rangers keep one of their best young players in the fold, and Tony D'Angelo, hey, he gets a chance to really cash in big two years from now, but in the meantime, he can stay somewhere where he's prospered, somewhere where he's comfortable. He seems to really enjoy being a New York Ranger. So, yeah, win-win for both sides, and Tony D'Angelo will be a restricted free agent in two years, but we will cross that bridge when we get to it. Moving on to Alex Georgiev. He's also back with the Rangers on a two-year deal. This one is for 4 
$1.85 million, and that is an average annual value of $2.425 million. Georgiev's arbitration date was slated for October 31st, but that's a moot point now. It will not be happening, and I like this move too. And similar to D'Angelo, I at least wanted to present the option of not bringing Georgiev back and maybe looking to get something for him in a trade, simply because the Rangers tend not to overextend themselves for their backup goalie. You know, you think about guys like Antti Ranta and Cam Talbot in recent seasons, uh, both played great when they were backing up Henrik Lundqvist, but they were both on their way in relatively short order, both, I believe, just with the Rangers for two years. So just looking at the, how the Rangers have treated the backup goalie position in the past, I thought it was at least possible that they would be hesitant to kind of overpay Alex Georgiev if they think he's going to be just in a number two role for this team. Uh, but there are some differences between Georgiev and, say, Talbot and Ranta uh, when they were here. Uh, first of all, Talbot and Ranta were backing up Henrik Lundqvist in his prime, and we all knew Lundqvist was one of the absolute best goalies in hockey, if not the very best. We also knew that Lundqvist was going to be a workhorse. He was going to play 60-plus games. So by the simple fact that Henrik Lundqvist was obviously an incredible goalie, it rendered the backup goalie position a little bit less important when Lundqvist was in his prime. Now, of course, it was always nice to at least have a decent backup goalie for Lundqvist in case, you know, an injury were ever to happen. But when you've got arguably the best goalie in hockey in Henrik Lundqvist, I think it means you're probably... Uh, a little bit less inclined to spend big on your backup goalie. You want to put that money into building a great team around Henrik Lundqvist. You're not going to worry too much about the backup goalie position. And this is where the difference comes in, because Alex Georgiev is probably going to be the number two to Igor Shesterkin. I know we're all really high, or just about everybody is really high on Igor Shesterkin. Everybody seems to think he's going to be the goalie of the future. Uh, everywhere he's been, he's just absolutely dominated. He's put up video game-like numbers in the AHL, in the KHL, and he was outstanding for the Rangers last season in the 12 regular season games and the one playoff game. But facts are facts. Igor Shesterkin has only played 13 career NHL games. And so I think the Rangers, by bringing back Georgiev, they give themselves a little bit of insurance here if by some chance things just don't work out with Igor Shesterkin, or if Igor Shesterkin goes through a little bit of a cold streak, uh, the Rangers will be able to kind of have a plan B and toss Georgiev out there. Georgiev has spent the last three seasons with the New York Rangers, so there's obviously a good amount of familiarity there as well. That's always nice. And, you know, there might even be some people who... You know, they hear me talk about Alex Georgiev coming back as the backup, and you might think, like, well, who's to say that Alex Georgiev is definitely 100% going to be the backup goalie to Igor Shesterkin? And that's a fair point. I don't know that we're at the point yet where you can simply just anoint Igor Shesterkin as a starting goalie and pencil him in for 60-plus starts next season. Now, if you ask me, between the two of them, Shesterkin and Georgiev, who's the better goalie? Who has more long-term upside? who's the most likely to still be on the Rangers 10 years from now. I'm going to say Igor Shesterkin to all of that. But by that same token, again, just 13 career NHL games. And I would bet anything that this coaching staff is going to deem the goalie position as kind of an open competition when training camp gets underway. They're not going to just hand it to Igor Shesterkin. That's just not their style. It's possible that at times they might even go with a little bit of a hot hand approach. And again, as much as I think that Igor Shesterkin is definitely going to be the man for this team going forward, it's not out of the question that he goes through a little bit of a cold streak at some point. Look, they're all human. I know that sometimes with some of these goalies, you know, watching Henrik Lundqvist for all these years, and uh, obviously the start that Igor Shesterkin has gotten off to here, some of the other outstanding goalies in hockey, you, you forget that they're human and they actually can go through cold streaks because when the best goalies in hockey are on, they're just on their brick walls. Nothing gets by them. It just seems like it's completely unfair for the opposing team, but nobody is above a slump. And if Shesterkin was to go into a slump, then maybe you can roll with Georgiev for a little while. Uh, the other question here is, if Georgiev is not back with this team, then who do you want on the opening night roster along with Igor Shesterkin? 
You could make a case for Adam Huska, Tyler Wall, but neither have appeared in an NHL game to date. So Georgiev, once again, a nice insurance policy for the Rangers next season because if Shesterkin hits a rough patch, you've got plan B right there, ready to go. And there's a big couple of years for Alex Georgiev as well because think about it, you know, even if he can't get ahead of Shesterkin on the depth chart and even if he only plays about a third of the Ranger games over these next two seasons or even fewer than a third of the Ranger games, he still has a chance to really raise his stock around the NHL. He's going to be a free agent again in just two years, and if he plays well in these two years with the Rangers, then there could be teams around this league that are looking to sign him as their starting goalie, and they might be willing to give him starting goalie money. At the very least, they'll at least bring him in and give him an opportunity to be in a timeshare and or compete for the starting goalie position. And if two years go by and Chesterkin, he's just as good as advertised, he's just as good as we all think he's going to be, and he's locked and loaded and looking like he's going to be the Rangers uh, franchise goalie for the next 10 years plus, then Georgiev would probably be looking to leave the Rangers in free agency and have the opportunity to start or at least compete for the starting job on some other team. Uh, I don't think too many goalies make it to the NHL just to be a good backup, especially a young goalie like Alex Georgiev. So these are two huge seasons coming up for Alex Georgiev. Is he somehow going to be able to become the Rangers starter over Igor Shesterkin? I would think not, but it's not something that can be totally ruled out. And even if he does not unseat Shesterkin and he becomes the Rangers' clear number two, can he put enough good hockey on tape when he is out there where some other team wants to bring him in as a starter and give him a chance to be their franchise goalie? So like I said, two huge seasons for Alex Georgiev, and he might very well be on his way to a new team when this contract expires. But for now, let's just enjoy the fact that he's back and the Rangers have a very capable number two goalie on their roster. And hey, maybe you're one of the Alex Georgiev truthers. Maybe you think that uh, he's just as good as Shesterkin. Maybe you think it'll be something more like a timeshare next season rather than uh, you know Igor Shesterkin getting to play about two-thirds of the games. We'll see what happens. Nothing is off the table right now. I still think it's going to be Igor Shesterkin as the man going forward, but Alex Georgiev, he'll have a chance, and he can help his own cause simply by playing great hockey when he's in there. So we will see what happens, but again, a big, big two years coming up for Alex Georgiev, and really nice for Ranger fans to have him back in the fold here. As we talked about at the top of the show here today, Stephen Fogarty, now an ex-Ranger, he signs a one-year deal with the Buffalo Sabres. It is a two-year contract. He will make $700,000 if he plays at the NHL level this season. Uh, 27 years old, he had 13 goals and 37 points in 54 AHL games last season. Fogarty was drafted by the Rangers all the way back in 2011, if you can believe that. He was taken in the third round, went number 72 overall. Uh, he's someone that, you know, over this past season kind of established himself as somebody you could at least plug into the NHL lineup in a pinch, but he obviously uh, never got to a level that the Rangers were hoping for when they took him in the third round of the draft. Just 18 career NHL games for Fogarty and one playoff game from this past season. Zero points in any of those. Uh, he's put up some decent offensive numbers in the AHL with the Wolfpack. We mentioned what he did last year with the 37 points in 54 games. Uh, two years ago, he actually skated in 66 games with the Wolfpack, had 21 goals and 31 assists. So offensive of production is not a foreign concept for Stephen Fogarty at the AHL level, but I would imagine, again, you know, he's 27 years old, just 18 NHL games under his belt. He's probably just going to serve as organizational depth for the Sabres, but who knows? You know, maybe he has a, a nice training camp, makes Buffalo's opening night roster. We will see. It just never really worked out with the Rangers, but all the best to Stephen Fogarty. He now begins a new chapter with the Buffalo Sabres after nine years in the Ranger organization, if you can believe that. But yes, it is a fact. He was drafted in 2011. He now moves on to the Buffalo Sabres. And once again, all the best to Stephen Fogarty. We'll see if he can crack the opening night roster there in Buffalo. 
The other big hockey news of the day, and it's something that we absolutely have to talk about, even if it isn't all that directly related to the New York Rangers, the fact that Doc Emmerich has announced his retirement following a 47-year career of broadcasting pro hockey. He is 74 years old, which just blew my mind because he doesn't look like it. He certainly does not sound like it. And he was just the absolute best, man. I floated out the idea at the beginning of the show that I think he could be the greatest sports broadcaster of all time. And we got a quote here from Gary Bettman, you know, talking about the retirement of Doc Emmerich. This is what Bettman had to say. For obvious reasons, hockey is the most challenging sport for a play-by-play man. Doc somehow didn't just master it. He transformed it into art. The game, of course, goes on, but it never again will sound quite the same. He's absolutely right about that. Again, for my money, the best announcer that we've ever had. He brings just so much passion to to every game that he calls. I think that's what stood out more than anything. Watching all these playoff games on TV and all these games that he's called, it just never felt like he was ever phoning it in. It never felt like he didn't want to be there. It always just felt like this is the biggest hockey fan in the world. He just happens to also be an announcer for the sport. You know, you go to other sports and maybe even hockey a little bit. There are certain announcers where at times it sounds like they just don't really want to be there. Their mind is elsewhere. They're kind of just thinking about the paycheck. I'm not going to name any names there, of course. And there are some fantastic announcers across hockey and in other sports as well. But I just think Doc Emmerich was in a league of his own. And if you want to kind of just hear him at his best, I would definitely recommend, uh, for multiple reasons, going back and checking out some highlights, or even just watch the full game of Rangers versus Penguins Game 7 in 2014. I have waxed poetic about that game and about that series basically ever since Locked On New York Rangers started. It's one of my absolute favorite moments as a Ranger fan, you know, seeing the Rangers come back from that three-game-to-one deficit against the Pittsburgh Penguins to just stun them and end up going to the Stanley Cup Finals later that season. But Doc Emmerich, man, he provided the soundtrack for that entire series. He was absolutely fantastic in Game 7. Just the passion, the excitement that he brings to the table, you absolutely have to love it. I know there are people out there who, with national announcers, they try to kind of call them out because they think that they're either biased, they want a certain team to win, or they want a certain team to lose. Every once in a while, you would see uh, Ranger fans floating the idea that Doc Emmerich doesn't really like the Rangers. I never picked up on that. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm just too into the Ranger playoff game itself to even notice if an announcer seems to be rooting for one team or another, but I never picked up on that. To me, he was just a guy that absolutely loved the game of hockey. Didn't matter uh, which series he was calling, which game he was calling, whether it was the regular season, the playoffs, the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, He just put everything he had into every single call that he made. And just as another aside here, I used to work at NHL.com. I've talked about that briefly on this podcast every once in a while, but I never personally met Doc Emmerich while working there, but I had a lot of coworkers who had met Doc Emmerich. Man, you could talk to anybody about Doc Emmerich. Nobody has a bad word to say about him. Everybody who met him, who even just had a brief interaction with him, said he's the coolest guy ever, one of the friendliest, most down-to-earth people that you'll ever meet. And that's on top of just being a fantastic announcer. So it really is a bummer that uh, that he's not going to be back calling all these Stanley Cup playoff games next season. But I think he's certainly earned his retirement. Like we said, he's 74 years old. He's been the best in the business for a very long time. He's won six Emmys. He's one of those announcers that just seems to be universally beloved by just about every sports fan. Because, you know, announcers, they're very polarizing. There's a lot of announcers out there that people either don't like or, you know, maybe they're split 50-50. You know, certain people think he's the best. Other people think he's the worst. Everybody loved Doc Emmerich. Everybody, you know, if your team had Doc Emmerich in a playoff series calling the action, I think you were generally pretty happy about that. I don't want to speak for everybody, but it just seemed like a ridiculously high percentage of hockey fans always just loved when Doc Emmerich would call their games. And I'm no exception to that. And and we're definitely going to miss him going forward because, you know, no matter which team you root for, There's a very good chance that they've had an epic moment over the years that Doc Emmerich has been a play-by-play NHL announcer, and he's probably provided uh, just a fantastic call for one of your team's biggest moments in franchise history. And I mentioned the 
2014 Game 7 between the Rangers and Penguins. If you want to hear another fantastic Doc Emmerich call, go back on YouTube. Check out Derek Stepan's Game 7 overtime winner against the Washington Capitals in 2015. Just the energy that he brings. It just makes an epic moment that much more epic. You know, you go back and you listen to it. You watch it all over again. Having Doc Emmerich uh, make the call. Now, look, it's a Game 7 overtime winner. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be extremely memorable no matter what, under any circumstances, no matter who the play-by-play guy is. But having a great play-by-play announcer for a situation like that just amplifies it. And Doc Emmerich, he amplified that moment, just lost his mind when Derek Stepan scored the goal. He was just so excited. You know, he just saw a big moment in hockey history there, a Game 7 overtime winner. He's excited to call the moment. And again, just he takes what's already a huge moment and puts it into legendary status. And that's what a great play-by-play announcer can do. And that's what Doc Emmerich did during his whole career, calling all these NHL Stanley Cup playoff games. So yeah, definitely going to miss him. Who knows? Maybe he'll uh, make an appearance in the booth every now and then. We'll get him in there for a cameo every once in a blue moon. But hey, he's earned this retirement. It's fantastic that he's willing to step away. And you know, you got to give him credit as well, because no matter who you are as an announcer, you're probably going to start slowing down at a certain time. And I wouldn't want to see that with Doc Emmerich. You know, he's still... You know, right up until the end here, I really feel like he's been the best announcer in sports. So he gets to retire on top. We talk about how not too many athletes get to retire on top. Not too many broadcasters get to retire on top either. But that's what Doc Emmerich's doing here. Great for him. It's fantastic. Definitely going to miss him. But uh, man, what a legacy he leaves uh, as just the premier announcer in sports for however many years you want to go back. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And uh, definitely come back tomorrow as well. Like I said, we've got the crossover episode with Sarah Evampato of Locked On Kings. Going to be talking about Leas Anderson for the hopefully last time on this podcast. I mean, it, it is what it is. It just never worked out with Leas Anderson in New York, but we get into uh, the trade of Leah Anderson to the Los Angeles Kings. We talk about free agency in the draft as well. Definitely a fun time uh, recording that show with Sarah Evampato, and definitely come back and check it out tomorrow. But yes, that will do it for today. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.